Thank you for bringing me back to grade 10. <laughs> Jonas Brothers, Love Bug. Come on, how many of you that brought you back? You were like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, hey, my name is, is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul Sanctuary, and I have the opportunity to share with you this morning. Uh, before we, we get down to it, uh, and before we break it down here, I want to just uh, draw your attention to something. Uh, these little books... These little books. Uh, we gave these out at our team night in January to all of our servant leaders, uh, who, people who serve, give their time here at Soul Sanctuary. Uh, if you want one, it's just a little notebook with recycled, made from recycled paper, because we're like that. Uh, you can get that at the Welcome Center. They're not going to charge you for it, but, but here's, the, here's the reason for bringing your notebook to church, bringing your Bible to church, is because we show up here with great expectation. We don't just show up here to hear somebody talk. We don't just show up here to, to hear music or, or, or to hear, you know, a fun coffee song. We don't just show up for those purposes. We don't just show up to talk to our friends. We, we show up because we believe that, that the Word of God is going to be preached, that the Word of God is going to be proclaimed. And if that's happening, if that's happening, then it's worth writing some things down. It's, 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 don't show up here as a mindless zombie. Don't be, don't be just a person who shows up to church mindlessly, like checks out when you sit down. Show up with expectation. Take notes on a paper book, because paper's cool, um, says the dude with an iPad. Sweet. Hey, uh, let's, let's bring ourselves up to speed on where we are at as a church. We finished the book of Matthew two weeks ago. Pastor Jerry preached through the Great Commission, and that kind of just uh, launched us into the next couple weeks where last week Pastor Jerry came and he talked about the importance of global mission, about here at the Soul Community, how our priorities are fixed on sharing the gospel everywhere. And he broke down who our global missions partners were, kind of how our money gets sent to them, the fundraisers that we do. He just gave us the goods about why global mission is important. Next week, just like you heard past, or, or you heard Mike say, is next week we kick off the theology of sex series. Where for five weeks we're going to talk about the theology uh, behind sex, sexuality, relationships. Um, on Friday night, uh, Andrew, Pastor Andrew, called me. Well, he called me before Friday, but he's like, "Hey, can you come talk to the youth on Valentine's Day about sex?" And I was like, "You're dipping on this one, aren't you?" Okay, so yeah, so I showed up. And beforehand, uh, we were in the Starbucks drive-thru, Lauren and I, and uh, as we pull into the Starbucks drive-thru, um, the dude at the window, uh, it was Valentine's Day, it's like 6 p.m., he like kind of looks in the car and he's like, happy Valentine's Day. And I'm like, okay, like, do I say that back to the single dude at the window? Like, oh, yeah, you too, right? So I'm like kind of thinking about it, and of course I do. Yeah, you too, man. And uh, conversation keeps going as he's talking to us through the window, and he's like, um, what are you guys doing tonight? You out on the town? No, no, no. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm about to go talk to 100 high school students about sex. And the conversation at that point, he was like, hmm, okay, okay. And uh, I explained to him, no, I'm a pastor at a church just a th stone's throw away from here. And, uh, and we, we teach our high school students about, about things that they need to know about. And so on Friday was uh, a Christian sexual ethic and why it offers a better way to live than the dominant sexual narrative of our culture. And uh, he and I got into a good conversation uh, about, <laughs> about, I mean, sexuality and church. And he kind of started sharing me some of his church background. And I invited him. So if you're here, dude, you know, come find me after. Let's chat. Uh, but, but we have five weeks of, of conversation in regards uh, to sexuality. It's important. 
uh, it's important for us to know, like, what does the Bible actually say? You know, what has the church said for the last 2,000 years? How do those play hand in hand with one another? So we invite you out. On my refrigerator is the uh, postcard that's on your seat, and it's, it's taped right next to all the, the family greeting Christmas cards. I encourage you to do the same and start conversation as people come over. So uh, with that being said, what about this week? What about this week? This week kind of rolls, uh, again, out of, our, out, out of the Great Commission that Pastor Jerry preached and then uh, our conversation about global missions. Today we're going to have a conversation about local missions. Today we're going to have a conversation about uh, what, what Mike brought us up to speed on the internship program here at Soul Sanctuary. Um, our, our text this morning comes out of the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 to 18. And it's the Apostle Paul and he's writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. Now the church in Ephesus, I mean, this is, pa or th this is the Apostle Paul's baby. Like, like, he started this church community. He rolled through there. He spent years cultivating the faith of these people. Uh, he, he returned to them multiple times, and here he is writing a letter to them. And this is what he says, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. I keep asking that the God of our I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Um, before I studied to be a pastor, I studied to be a teacher, a high school teacher. And uh, when I was in the Faculty of Education at the University of Manitoba, uh, I, uh, I, there was this mantra that was getting tossed around the faculty at that time. And it probably still is. I mean, it's kind of like a teacher's motto. And it's that we're building lifelong learners, right? We're building lifelong learners. We don't just want a student from K to 12. We want a student who desires or who pursues knowledge for the rest of their lives. We want a student who, who will learn and learn and learn and commit their life to learning and growing. Because education is important. And this was kind of a motto, a mantra that I could really grab onto when I was studying. I mean, I, I loved studying formally, academically, like in the academy, in the university. I loved doing that. And so I'm like, yeah. I could be a lifelong learner. But in other areas of my life too, like I, I, I just love knowing things. I love seeing how things operate, you know, taking them apart and trying to put them back together, right? Opening things up like, hey, you, you're an expert. You got some knowledge in this area. Explain this to me. I mean, Lauren and I joke that I'm the one who reads the Apple terms and conditions before hitting accept, right? Because nobody else does. But I'm like, hey, if I'm selling my soul, at least I want to know what I'm selling, right? Like what they can take from me. The, uh, uh, contracts. You know, the, the first lease that we ever signed on an apartment. I read every term through. I'm like, they're not messing with me. When we bought a house, I remember sitting across from the lawyer who's like holding on to all our money. And they're like distributing the funds or however it works. And I was like, hey, um, every page she signs was like a, a stack this high of paper. Every page she asked me to sign, I'm like, can you explain that to me? And I cost her money that day, but she was like, she was great. She just explained everything. I'm like, hey, why am I signing this? You know, what about this dollar, dollar value? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense when you, when you add it up here. When we bought our home and we moved into it, uh, we gutted our main floor. 
And uh, it, was, it was a journey for me to begin learning new things, like how to drywall, right? Like, I, th- th- this was an art. And everybody, like, they're like, don't do it, Jordan. You ever heard those people, the don't do it drywall people, right? They're don't do it. You're going to mess it up. And so I did hire most of it out. <laughs> but, but it was an art that I was like, hey, I got some time, and I can learn how to do things like this. Because I, I, that, that, that's a desire of mine. I enjoy the learning process. I, I enjoy the new information. And you might be like me. You might not. You might not. Now, I went to the dentist a couple months ago. And uh, what I thought was going to be a routine appointment turned out to not be a routine appointment. You know, you can see the nurse and the dentist kind of like talking behind your back. And you're like, at some point, they're going to bring this to me. They're just trying to realize how they're going to break it to me. And I mean, like going back, I've had good teeth. Uh, but apparently overnight, I don't have good teeth anymore. And they threw up all the images and scans on the wall and just like dropped the bomb. You need braces. And I'm like, what? You need braces? So I'm like, let's go to the specialist. All right. So they referred me off to the specialist. And, and then I walked into the specialist's office. And again, all, all, on the computer screen were all these like 3D image scans of my mouth. And they're like, dude, your teeth hit each other at a funny angle. And by the time you're 50, you're going to have no bottom teeth. And they're like scaring me. And at that point, I was like, okay, like, Thanks for the explanation. Lay on the damage, right? And they're like, it's going to cost you like $7,000 for braces. And I'm like, <gasps> and at that point, I was like, don't tell me anything else. I don't want to know about my teeth. I don't want to know how they hit each other awkwardly. I don't, don't want to know that they're grinding themselves down. You just told me it's going to cost me $7,000. I'm going to put this to the side for a moment. I mean, it was much more comfortable after that. I, I, I didn't want to know about the procedure. I didn't want to know about the options that I had. I just needed to digest this, what they were telling me. It was easy for me to to bury my head in the sand because for me at that point, the cost was just simply too high. I wasn't about to fork over seven grand for braces. It was easier for me to pretend that the cost wasn't there. I knew just enough. Just enough that I didn't need to know anymore. I knew what it was going to cost and I didn't like it. And this morning, I'll propose to you that just perhaps, sometimes for you and I, when it comes to God, we get like dentist chair Jordan. We get like dentist chair Jordan where, where it's like, hey, tell me everything. I want to learn how it works. I want to know everything about it. I just, just like lay it on me until the cost is a little bit too great. Until we become a little bit uncomfortable with what we've been told. Once uh, once I come to recognize how costly it is, maybe I just don't want to know anymore. Now when I look at the prayer that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, it is a prayer of increase for increase in knowledge. Not only for the sake of knowing things, But for the sake of something more, to truly know God. Knowing here is an intimate use of the word. It's an experiential use of the word. I mean, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he makes a case for knowing head knowledge about God. But he also makes a case for if that head knowledge never translates into heart knowledge, never translates into experience and relationship, then what good is it sitting locked away up there? Paul prays that the the, the people of Ephesus might come to an awakening, knowing 
who God is. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. You know, wisdom and revelation are not just surface level knowing. There's a deep intimacy that he's, he's praying for here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that in, or, that in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The eyes of your heart, not the eyes of your mind, the eyes of your heart be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul wants the Ephesians to know about the hope that is theirs in Christ Jesus. Through what Jesus Christ did on the cross by dying for the forgiveness of their sins to reconstitute right relationship with God. He wants them to know this. He wants them to know the glorious riches that are theirs to inherit because of their faith in Jesus. I mean, Paul has never shied away from telling the church in Ephesus the cost of following Jesus. He hasn't shied away from telling us through the scriptures the cost of following Jesus. It's going to mean living in a way that nobody else lives. It's going to mean taking risks that nobody else takes. It's going, to mean, it's going to mean doing things that nobody else does. But is it worth it? It's going to mean a life of sacrifice and a life of service and a life that's costly. And Paul breaks it down for them here. But at the same time, it's going to be a life of riches in Christ. It's going to be a, a life of prosperity, but maybe not the prosperity that we want. Maybe not the prosperity that we so deeply desire as far as material possession. But being locked into the hope that is ours as followers of Christ through what he has done for us. An eternal riches that's infinitely better than anything we could want here and now. I mean, Jesus gives a, a warning in Matthew chapter 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Who enters the kingdom of heaven? The one who does the will of the Father in heaven. Not my will be done, but God, your will be done. Many will say to me on that day, says Jesus, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, he says, I never knew you. I think what Jesus is getting at here is something similar to what Paul's teaching the church in Ephesus right throughout the book of Ephesians. He's like, do you just know God? I like, yeah, I know God. Yeah, yeah, I know God. Or do you know God? Like, do you, do you have a deep intimacy with the creator of the universe? Do you know God? Or do you know God? And Jesus paints this for us in Matthew 7. He's saying, there are those who, eh, yeah, I mean, we do some pretty cool spiritual things. We know God. But those are the ones that, that he'll look at and he'll say, I never knew you. And so where do we find ourselves? Do you live your life in response to God? Everything you do, every breath you take, everything that you, everything you do with your hands, everywhere you go with your feet, is it done in response to who God is? Is it done in response to what God or what Jesus did for you on the cross? Is it in response to the salvation that he has given you? 
Paul's desire for the Ephesians and my desire for you today is that you and I do not show up here to worship Christ as a formality. But that we continue on this journey of knowing God, of deepening our understanding, our knowledge, and our relationship with Him. When Lauren and I were dating, and things got tough, and I mean, we, we did not have a picturesque dating relationship, that's for sure she's laughing, yeah. Um, we fought all the time. I mean, we were just learning what, what it meant to be two people, I mean, in somewhat love. That was a big word for us. We had a lot of problems with that word, right? Uh, commitment was another word we had a lot of problems with. I had a lot of problems with, let's be real. Uh, but in that dating relationship, when, when things got tough, uh, and we were, you know, having it out with each other and fighting and, you know, whatever it looked like. It was healthy fighting, but um, the unhealthy part is that I would just clam up. It was something I had learned from when I was young, you know, like when, when the emotions get, to get too heavy and they start bo bottling up inside of you, you just, you just stop expressing them. That's what I had learned. And so the emotions would get to a point and they'd bottle up, bottle up, bottle up, and eventually the lid would blow off. And through that process, though, Lauren, she was like hell-bent on teaching me how to communicate properly with a young woman. <laughs> and she would like lock the car doors, and we wouldn't leave the driveway till 3 a.m. until we resolved what we were on about. But, but I see something there. I mean, uh, I, I, I didn't know how to properly communicate what I was feeling. And it took the long, hard work of her saying, hey, we are not leaving one time, I broke up with her, but we had 60 kilometers to drive before we got home. <laughs> Boys. Ah. <laughs> uh -uh. In those 60 kilometers, I mean, many of them were spent silently. Uh, but that was a night. It, it was literally 3, 4 a.m. on the driveway. And she's teaching me, hey, you need to actually open up here. You know, you can't just drop bombs on me 60 clicks from home. That we actually have to talk through this. We have to work through this. You need to tell me what you're feeling. And eventually I was able to, to open up to her. But it was hours on hours and days after days. But she constantly pursued a deeper relationship with me. I don't know what she saw in me in those moments. But she saw something. And thank God she saw something. But she wasn't okay letting things be the way that they were. And I think you and I, we must continually pursue relationship with Christ. Pursue it. When we recognize that they're in our relationship, things are not the way that they are. We don't have to settle. I mean, there's a hope believing that the way things are isn't the, the way that things have to be. And so I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus as you come in this morning. But my prayer is that, that, that there's something there. That there's a fire. That there's a desire for more. That there's at least a, a want to want to know more. The good news is that Jesus isn't a uh, mid-twenties moody boy named Jordan who doesn't like to communicate with us. The good news is that he's the God of the universe who welcomes you and I with open arms. The good news is that he meets us where we're at and that he draws us into deeper things of him. When we choose to grow in our relationship with Jesus, when we choose to, to take next steps in our faith, taking a step towards Him. When we make that a conscious choice and the, and the pursuit of our heart, the goal of where we're headed, when that becomes our orientation, 
That's when you and I become the local mission strategy of the church. The book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power. He's talking to his followers at this point. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples were called to be witnesses of everything that Jesus had done in their city, in their nation, and to the corners of the globe. And I mean, coming out of last week's conversation about global missions... I think we, we hear a message like what we heard last week, and most of us, we can find our place somewhere in that message when it comes to global missions. You know, it's like mo most of us would sit here, we're like, hey, you know what? I could probably contribute financially to, to, to buying a, a piece of property that we could put a rehab center in in rural Ukraine, right? You're like, I could probably give a couple bucks towards that. I definitely can spend some time on my needs in prayer and pray that, that, that the Lord directs the people on the ground there. For sure, I can do that. You might like see yourself, and, and, and there's a, a number of us here, you'll have the opportunity to go and, and see a site like that. Or to go and, and actually minister with the gifts that God has given you on the ground in a far off place. I think uh, a couple fewer of us will actually uproot our lives here, move somewhere where God has called us, and plant our roots there, and, and begin his work, or continue his work among the people wherever he's called us. When, when it comes to, to global mission, we can find where we fit. But what does that look like for local mission? What does that look like for us here and now? Where do you find yourself in the local mission conversation? When it comes to be a witness in our city, in Jerusalem, right? As Jesus is sending them out. In Jerusalem, be witnesses here, where you are now, where you're planted, where your home is. Be witnesses of what Jesus has done in your life. What does that look like for you in Winnipeg? In your waking, in your sleeping, in your going to work, in your family days, what does this look like? Here at Soul Sanctuary, our mission is that you might come to know God, that you might come to find freedom, to discover your purpose in Him, and to make a difference. But first and foremost, foundational to everything. Nothing else matters if we don't first come to know God. To develop that intimacy with God. Many Western Christians, they see the church as a provider of goods and services. Specifically services. And here at Seoul, I mean, we've been, we've been as clear as it gets that we are not service providers. We're here in partnership with you. We're here in partnership as you raise your kids and raise your family. We're here in partnership with you as you pursue Christ above all else. This is partnership. We exist here at Seoul Sanctuary really to reach those who aren't here yet. We exist to fill that empty seat next to you. Not because it's another number for the board, but because it's another soul who has the opportunity to meet the God of the universe. A soul that has an opportunity to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. A soul that has the opportunity to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why we exist. I mean, if you are a follower of Christ here today in this building, and if Soul Sanctuary is your home, church, community, then you are to be on mission locally, in your everyday going, 
to find those who don't know Jesus yet. To find those who haven't experienced the grace that he offers and the invitation of his love. If you're a Christian, and so sanctuary is your home, then that is your mission. The concept is simple. It's that found people find people. That if you have been found by, by Jesus, if he pulled you from the pit, then what, what, what is an acceptable response to that? To go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus as he pulls others from the pit. That found people find people. I mean, Luke 16, it tells us three stories of lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And we serve a God who, whose heart beats for his lost children. Whose heart beats for those who don't know him yet. Our Christian life must be centered around knowing God in truth. As revealed to us by his word. Our Christian life is, is centered around knowing God, but it, it's also correcting our false, idolatrous ideas of who God is. Our preconceived notions and ideas that we bring to the table. You know, our culture has us, and we're hooked. And we begin a journey of saying, I'm not going to be offended by what I read in here. I'm not going to be victimized by what, what I read in here. Instead, I'm going to desire to know and not just know up here, I, I want to know in here. And it's a lifelong journey. It's a, it's a journey in relationship with one another. It's a journey where you come alongside brothers and sisters in this community and you continue the pursuit of knowing and of loving Jesus. Together we partner with the Holy Spirit in, mission, in the mission of sharing Christ with others. How do we do it? How do we do it? Can we get really practical here? Like point one, two, three, four, write it down in your notebook, practical. The first thing we have to do is we have to come to the point of accepting the personal responsibility. We have to accept the personal responsibility. God has put you in a specific place and time. Wherever you're at, I don't know, you know. God has put you there. And don't for a second think it's a mistake. I mean, you might be in a season of discomfort and pain and suffering. But what does it look like to, in that moment, recognize your leadership and your sphere of influence? Who are those around that you can influence? That's all leadership is. Leadership is just influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Who are those that you can lead around you? Who are those that you can influence? Will you accept the personal responsibility that your mission as a follower of Christ is to make him known? I heard Pastor Jerry say it, uh, I think a number of months ago. He said, if not you, then who? There are unique connections that you have that nobody else has. So step one is to say, okay, I'm going to own that. I'm going to accept the responsibility, the call of Christ on my life. Number two, build a personal relationship. People aren't looking for you to preach at them. They don't need you standing with a bullhorn and sign on the corner. People don't need an academic spar. People need somebody to look them in the eyes and acknowledge their humanity. Created in the image of God. People need, them to, to need somebody to stop and for a minute listen. 
That's what we need. We crave connection as people. And it might look different for each one of us, but every human being has been created for social interaction. We can't do life alone. So build a personal relationship. I mean, no gimmicks, no bait and switch, nothing. No strings attached. What does it look like to build a relationship with those in your sphere of influence? Number three, share a personal story. We share as Christians how God has changed our lives. I mean, your story of coming to know Christ might be radical. It might be out there. But your story of coming to to know Christ might be muted. You know, there might be no insane conversion experience. And that doesn't matter. Because what you know as a follower of Jesus is that God is good, that God is love, and that he shows up for us. And so what does it look like for you to share a personal story? You know, before Jesus, this is who I was. I was greedy. I was selfish. And after coming to know Jesus, man, I found freedom. And I found purpose that I could never find before I knew him. I knew the mission of my life. I knew where I was going. Because he clarified it for me. What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you? Share a personal story. Number four. Give a personal invitation. I mean, there's a number of invitations that you can dish out. When you have conversations with people about Jesus, I mean, you can, right then and there, give them the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior of their life. Now, that might scare you. And maybe you need, you need to, you know, I need some practice on just making friends first before I ever get to that point. And that's okay. But I mean, giving a personal invitation, would you come to church with me on Sunday? There's a seat right next to me for you. What does a personal invitation look like? Hey, we, we, we promise here that at Soul Sanctuary, every Sunday we're going to preach from this. And we're going to preach Christ and Christ crucified and Him resurrected. And so maybe, maybe for you, it's just inviting somebody to church. I'm telling you, the sex series is perfect. It's perfect. The theology of sex. Come learn what the Bible and God have to say about sex. Accept personal responsibility, build personal relationships, share a personal story, and give a personal invitation. You and I are the mission strategy of Soul Sanctuary. There's no doubt about it. We choose to shine the light of Christ. We point others towards Christ in all things. And risk is an inherent part of the Christian faith. You can't read the Bible and not understand the risk that a a Christian has to take to represent who God is. I mean, if you take your faith seriously, you will probably travel somewhere you haven't traveled before. If you take your faith seriously, you will do things that you've never done before. That in no other area of life, you would have been pushed to do it. But because you took your faith seriously, you know, you're going to talk to people that you just wouldn't have talked to. It's simply what a life of discipleship requires. What a life following in the way of Jesus requires. No matter your lot in life. No matter your position in life. As a Christian, you proclaim that yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And as such, my life will be lived in pursuit of him. Obedient to his teachings that as a Christian... My life will be lived as a local missionary, an agent of healing, an agent of love, an agent of peace in a world that is hurt, in a world that is lost, in a world that is broken. 
That is the proclamation of a Christian. That is the proclamation of you and I. You and I are the local mission strategy of Soul Sanctuary. With that being said, there are a number of strategic partners and strategic movements that as a church we partner in. Initiatives that are important to seeing people come to know Christ. Kingdom building partnerships with other Christians who aren't a part of the soul community but exist in our city. Intentional partnerships with those in our province. In 2013, Soul Sanctuary was asked to help rejuvenate a church in North Winnipeg called Living Word Temple. It was a small Ukrainian uh, church, and it was down to six or seven people. And they were ready to close their doors, but before they did, they came knocking on ours and said, would you, would you help? And, and over a number of years, and being able to provide a pastor to that church, and just changing things, I mean, that, that's an indigenous community with a Ukrainian church. No wonder it's down to six people, but over, over the number of years, that, that time, effort, energy, I mean, many of you took time to go invest in the kids in that community. Now, it's years later, seven, eight years later, it's no longer a church underneath the banner of Soul Sanctuary, but they are out as a, as a, as a largely self-sufficient church. Packed, hundreds of people coming through the door each year as they, as they minister to the indigenous community right in their neighborhood. It's completely changed. I mean, that is a local missions partnership that we entered into, a church in our city that needed a breath of fresh air, that needed a little help resetting vision. In 2017, Soul Sanctuary became a partner with the Association of Related Churches, otherwise known as ARC. ARC is a fellowship of churches. It's a movement that started in the southern United States, but it's churches from, from different backgrounds who come together across denominational lines, believing that every community of people should have a life-giving church. It's something that Pastor Jerry got behind real quick. And in the ARC network here as a, as a church, our staff have connections with pastors that we would never have known otherwise across Canada and the United States. And to date, in Canada, a Soul Sanctuary, in our partnership, has helped see ARC plant 18 churches across our nation. Some of you might be like, why do we need more churches? Think about it for a moment. If Soul Sanctuary was packed, this room, let's say seating 500 people, if we, if we packed this place out for five gatherings a day, five times five plus two zeros, who's got it? 2,500. I know, I'm the teacher, right? Uh, we could pack 2,500 in here. You know, Church of the Rock down the street, they could pack a lot more. They're a lot bigger. You know, we could go to my church, Winnipeg, down there, and Grant Memorial. They could just pack out. And if we pack them all day long, we still don't have enough seats to fit the number of people that live in this neighborhood. Do the math. We need more churches, and so Sanctuary is committed to seeing churches birthed across our nation, to seeing churches birthed out of this church. Last year, a pastor from Winnipeg named John Ozanting and his wife felt the call of God to move to Edmonton and to plant a church. A specific call that they knew they had on their lives and they were waiting for when it was going to come to be. And Pastor Jono, he came under the oversight and mentorship of Pastor Jerry. Who helped prepare Jono for the launching of his church in Edmonton. And I reached out this week and to date, uh, in a new city across the country, Jono and his wife pastor a community of 250 people in just over a year. 
And in that, they have seen 121 people come to know Christ. This is what we're a part of, a move of God across our city, but a move of God across our nation. In September 2019, out of a desire to see people trained in the way of Jesus and brought up in the faith here at Soul Sanctuary, we launched the Soul Internship Program. It's a leadership pipeline for young people in this soul community who were looking for a gap year or, or, or who knew that local church ministry is what I want to be involved in for the rest of my life. It's fixed in the context of the local church. And since September, our interns have grown in knowledge through a partnership that we have with Providence University College and Seminary as they send their professors here to teach our students accredited courses. They, they have grown by experience as they regularly go to Living Word Temple and minister to the kids at lunch program. They regularly go to Vincent Massey Collegiate and minister to the kids at lunch there. And throughout ministries here at Soul Sanctuary, midweek and on Sundays. And, and recently our internship students headed up, uh, partnering with Living Word Temple to Puckatawagan, a northern Manitoba reserve where they had the opportunity to minister to people. You can come on up. They had the opportunity to minister to people on reserve. This is Mike. He was your host this morning. He's our internship director. And, and Mike led our crew up to Puckatawagan. So Mike, talk to us once you get that done. You got that. I believe in you. Jeff, there you go. Sorry. Uh, talk to us about the internship program. Talk to us about your recent trip to Puck. Yeah, so I mean, like you said, it's it's a program to see leaders raised, uh, passionate leaders in Christ, um, wherever they are, whether that's full-time ministry later on, later on in life or, or not, that's, that's not, uh, what we're doing here. But yeah, we, we were able to go up to puck that wouldn't have been possible if we didn't already have that relationship with, with living word and the work that we did do throughout the week in their lunch program. It just, it wouldn't happen. So it's, it birthed from, our, our desire to do local missions. Um, so we, myself and a couple of our interns, we were able to, to head up there. Long, long travel, tiring days. Um, but we got there and it was like, God just moved through, through everyone there. Like we didn't really go up with much of a, a plan and preparation outside of we're here to serve and we're here to love the people that we come into contact with. And I mean, I can only chalk it up to, to God. Like we did a lot of our work in the school up on that reserve. Uh, the speed as to which we were able to build relationship with students, uh, very different from us and, and the demographic that we're used to, um, was a God thing, hundred percent. Um, not only that, but we, we were able to do uh, a home visit. One of the families up on that reserve uh, lost two of their boys um, within a month of each other just at the end of this year. Uh, we were able to bring up groceries and supplies, like hard things to, to get on reserve, and bless them with that. Uh, not only that, we were, we were there, we were hanging out in their house, and Catherine, uh, one of the uh, people on staff at Living Word, was just having a conversation with, with these boys' aunt. Um, they were speaking Cree or OG Cree, so we had no idea what was going on. We were kind of off to the side doing our own thing. But literally, like, five, ten-minute conversation, and all of a sudden she turns to us and like, okay, like, come, like, she wants to accept Jesus now. And it's like, okay, like, we've only been here for, like, ten minutes. And uh, so we managed to, we were able to pray with her and, and lead her to Jesus, and, and just seeing the incredible things done 
um, through God and just what he's doing uh, there and, and just whatever we kind of put our hands to, if, if we're willing and uh, to risk it, then, uh, yeah, it's been amazing and we're looking forward to the rest of the year. So, Thanks for sharing. Yeah. When it comes to uh, the Soul Sanctuary Internship Program, we look for people 18 to 25. Who, who are part of this church community. And actually, we've, we've invited some others from outside of the community who said, hey, we want to be a part of this. Uh, but we believe that, that academic Bible-based instruction, accredited, can happen in the local church. We believe that building a heart of service and a heart of character that will su sustain you long into life can happen birthed here in the local church. And I challenge you, if you're in that age range, and I mean, even if you're not, we can have conversations. We don't live and die by our rules, but if there's God's birthing something in your heart about living life on mission here now for him, consider heading out to talk with Mike at the uh, internship table. At the end of the day, we're about building young people of character, young people of virtue who put Christ first. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. So why does any of this matter? Why does any of this matter? Mission matters because when you come to know God, everything changes. When you know the God of the universe, the God who knit you together in your mother's womb, everything changes. It changed for Peter and John. They had met Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. And in Acts 4.20, they were told, hey, you guys got to shut up. You guys got to stop talking about Jesus. And they said, Acts 4.20, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. I mean, they experienced him. To the point where they were like, do what you want. Do what you want. But I can't shut up about this. I can't stop talking about this. This has changed my life. And as such, I will live my life in response. That everything I do and everything I say will be for the sake of Christ and Christ alone. That no longer do I pursue my own agenda and my own plan for, for my life, but I give it over to him who the scripture tells us has a plan for my life and has a purpose for my life. And, and through him, man, I will see things that I could never have brought myself to see by my own. The response of a Christian to experiencing the love of God is to go and love others. The response of a Christian to experience the grace or of experiencing the grace of, of Jesus Christ is to go and share that grace with others. The response of a Christian who has experienced the power of the Holy Spirit is to go and share that with others. For the Christian, the hope of his calling has its place firmly fixed on the future. The hope of his calling, like Paul talks about in Ephesians, the hope of a Christian, the perspective is firmly fixed in the future. The Christian has a glorious future of resurrection. The Christian has a glorious future of freedom from sin, of, of justification by grace, and of life eternal. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each person who walked through the doors this morning. And Lord, that you didn't put them here accidentally, but that you brought them with a purpose to hear your word proclaimed. Lord, as a church, forgive us for the times where we have erred, where we've strayed from you, where our perspective has been muddled, where we focus on things that aren't important. Lord, we repent of our sinful ways and we turn to you. And we ask that your Holy Spirit 
fills us with a passion for your word, fills us with a passion to see those who don't know you come to know you. God, we choose to submit our preferences. We choose to submit our own ways, our own plans, our own desires. We lay them at your feet and we say, God, do what you want with us. Lead us in your ways. Grow us in a knowledge and understanding of you, not just of the head, but also of the heart, that we might know you and know you deeply. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Here at Soul, as we close, we give a simple blessing. If you'd like a blessing as you go off to the rest of your week, I invite you to simply extend hands. Soul Sanctuary, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may you come to know Him better. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened that you may know the hope to which He has called you. May you come to see the riches of His glorious inheritance given to you in Christ Jesus. And may you live knowing God and being known by God, resting in His promise of life eternal. Go in peace. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week.